Hey there, I'm Meg Dewalaby. And I am Amy Tianyi Zhao. Welcome to The Spark, a podcast that is a continuation of a conversation sparked between us one summer evening in China. We would love for you to join in on the conversation and listen along as we talk about everyday topics, big and small, as two women from two backgrounds, cultures, and countries. Everything starts with a spark. We all have the power to kindle a spark that makes us realize we are more alike than we are different. Hey everyone, Amy and I are here today and we're taking a pause from our series. Just as many things around the world are taking a pause, right? We thought um, it was time to take a pause ourselves and whatever we were doing, stop everything, drop it and talk about the one thing that everyone is talking about that's consuming our mind, our news feeds, everything. And that is coronavirus. Um, I kind of reached out to Amy and I said to her, we should record an episode about this. Mm-hmm. And in the past, Amy, you and I talked about it, how like we were, we would constantly ask each other, should we talk about this yet? Should we not? And we've been going back and forth about this since January. It's been a long mm-hmm. time coming. No, it just feels like it's hitting in the U.S. right now and it's becoming real for some people. This is something that I think has been weighing on both of our minds and on our hearts for a long time now. Like I feel like since the beginning. Um, so I felt like now was the time to talk about it because it has fully and 100% affected just about everyone's life now and um, mine and Amy's as well. And so, and even today, like personally, like pressing record on this, we were supposed to record a different episode this week, but personally, I can't think about anything else at the, at the moment. And so I really think that this would be a meaningful conversation to finally have and right now. So yeah, Amy, what are your thoughts on that? Like, I, like I mentioned, like we talked about having this, doing this episode for a while now. And, um, why do you personally feel like it's time to, um, I think this is a critical moment in history. And I think years after, when we look back, we would appreciate ourselves doing this and left some sort of record during this time. Um, so I think it's a little bit of uh, our responsibility, or at least I think it's a, my responsibility, is to leave some traces and to leave some records um, so that I can look back on in the future. Um, and me personally, I have been through two epidemics. Uh, SARS when I was younger in 2003, 17 years ago, and the current COVID-19 coronavirus. I wanted to remain silent for a very long time because in the beginning of the epidemic, the situation was relatively sensitive. There wasn't a very accurate number of what was exactly going on. And also because I was in China during that time, I went back um, fairly early um, uh, on January the 5th and I was home for the, I was, I was going back home for the Chinese New Year. So I didn't 
by then I had no idea. I felt like years ago now, but it, it was actually just a couple months ago. Um, and when I was in China, I didn't want to, I, I don't have too much opinions to give because I didn't know, was it right for me to talk about something that I don't, I didn't have a full picture on. And I think it wasn't a very responsible thing to do. Even now, I think it was irresponsible for me to say, to just put out some numbers and say how serious it was, what it was, where you say this method is helpful, that method is not helpful. It's not my place to say this kind of thing, but I do think it's important for me to record this episode because um, now I'm living in this situation where everyone's life has been affected. So it's also a great time to being at home. So it's a great time for you to listen to podcasts or doing other things. But listening to podcasts is a great activity to do. Uh, <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, I. <laughs> but at the end of uh, my trip to China, uh, the, the situation was getting worse. So I rushed back to the U.S., um, on January the 29th on one of the last flights um, because to, to the U.S. because I was afraid that the border is going to close or, you know, it was, was a pretty critical moment. And in fact, after two days, the U.S. announced they would close borders to, to all the foreigners who have been to China within 14 days who are not American citizens or a permanent resident. Um, so I was lucky, very, very lucky, but I also did a self quarantine right after I was back for two weeks. That's right. Um, by then I remember my colleagues and everyone around us were like, why were you doing that? Or, th- I mean, they understand, they think they understood, they, they thought it was a very nice thing and responsible thing for me to do, but no one, no one thought that the same situation is going to happen very, very soon for them as well. And it yeah. was kind of surreal to look Absol- back. Totally. I I want to ask you real quick, because I remember when you were going through all of that, having to come back earlier than you had planned, you had a lot of plans and things that you were looking forward to in China during Chinese New Year. And I, I was just wondering, what was that like for you the day that you realized you would oh, have I'm- to cut your trip short? I cried. Yeah. It was such a childish reaction, but I just didn't know how to. It's I, a I human reaction. Leave. Yeah. You're leaving your family. Leave until the last moment. Yeah. 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 I plan everything out. I had a little book. <laughs> I had an Excel sheet. I didn't <laughs> like Excel sheet, but I did an Excel sheet on what to do, what to eat, where to go. And I had all the tickets booked. Wow. Um, yeah, my boyfriend was visiting me, and it was a super long trip for him because it's China. It's like if you dig a hole right here, right now, the other side of the earth, that's where mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was so happy, and I was like, that's it. This is going to be the trip, the trip mm-hmm. uh, that is going to change everything. That yeah. I don't know. Like, because cause Beijing was a cool place. Um, it's and such I, a cool I, place. I like I discovering it with people. I mean, I showed you around. You did. Like, I wanted yeah. to do the same with like him, of course, and even just everyone who came 
to China because I was just that person. Like I hate it, but I also love it. And as I grow older, I love it more than I hate it. I guess it depends what we're talking about. Right. But um, yeah. So in short, I was sad, but comparing to what the entire country and now the entire world is going on, I think that was that emotion was so selfish and it was so little like I felt now looking back it was nothing like my plan comparing to the entire situation was nothing and I couldn't fathom it when I was at the moment because I was like how why why things are closing down right because it was it was nothing exactly. so in my mind it was just a disease and they don't need to shut down things yeah but, I mean of course they need now I know like they they have to and they better do right wouldn't go anywhere now but um, it's interesting I mean do you feel like I mean was it when you realized you needed to get back to New York did you was it real for you in that moment or were you still kind of questioning what was really going on because I think like what you're describing has been the experience of many people like why is everything shutting down what's going on what's happening and it's been interesting to watch it because I've kind of been walking this journey with you since the beginning yeah, watching right. you go yeah, through this actually were, yeah yes and then just a few weeks ago we started watching I mean just a few weeks ago the first well little bit like a month ago or so the first pa- the first um person is in the United States with with coronavirus and then coming watching Italy go through that and wondering why is everything shutting down and it was the same pattern over and over and over again mm-hmm. and for me personally I feel like I started I, I've been watching this pattern and then I was suddenly in the pattern myself too which mm-hmm. is so interesting so I mean for you was it real for you at that moment or were you kind of not totally convinced I guess is is the question mm-hmm. it was pretty real it was yeah. pretty real yeah but yeah I think it was really real um it was fast it happened too fast I didn't have time to comprehend mm-hmm. and but. I feel I feel like too that you have actually gone through the pattern in the series of emotions that go with that twice now because you came back from China to get to New York to be away from it and now you're in the middle of a giant city in the in the U.S. yeah that is currently coping with the fact that things are shut down and once again Mm -hmm. I mean does it feel like deja vu to you can you imagine New York is shutting down yeah can you imagine like New York a city that lifts right restaurant bars yeah yeah, I I mean, I'm not like I'm not I'm I'm fine. Um, I couldn't say that I'm happy mm-hmm. about what's going on because mm-hmm. why would I? Right, the world is suffering. Yeah, um, it's a pretty terrible disease, and but I I was like lucky. I am lucky. I was lucky when I was in China, and I am lucky now. So I don't have much to complain about. Um, so I will just do what I can do mm-hmm. to be very vocal about it, to be quote unquote overreacting because it's better to be safe than sorry. You know, um, that's 
what I can do at least. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think for me, um, a few weeks ago, I mean, talking about the wave of it hitting everybody, I don't think it really hit me until last week. Um, when, I mean, what day is it? It's Thursday. I mean, last week I, I was on a trip. Um, we had had a trip planned for a very long time to go to South Carolina for spring break. And, um, right before the trip, we kind of questioned, Oh, should we go? Should we not? And, and then we were thinking, well, like it, it seems like it's okay right now, as long as we wash our hands and we don't touch our face. And if we have to cough or anything, do that in our, um, in our arm and all of that. And we felt okay about going over there, wiping down our seat on the plane and everything like that. And then when we were away, things got really real for me personally. Mm. Um, I remember we were, I mean, it just, it feels like light years ago, but this was only last week. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, we were watching things develop, reading the news every night and things just started getting worse and worse and worse. And then one day, um, the news was on and we were at this restaurant next to the beach and, um, it's, they were saying that Rudy Gobert, a jazz, Utah jazz basketball player, right yeah. in our little sweet city of Salt Lake City, had tested positive. And he hadn't take. he's the perfect example of somebody who didn't take it seriously at all. He has since apologized. But leading up to him being like testing positive, he was making a huge joke about it just evenings before like touching all the reporters microphones. Yeah. Saying, Ooh, coronavirus and like touching their microphones and just, just taking it as a, yeah. And taking it as a joke. And then a few days later, um, he tests positive. And that was the day, like that day was, he tested positive and all the jazz players got tested. And then all of a sudden the NBA season is over Mm -hmm. and we leading up to this point in the few days, I had talked about this with you a few weeks ago about whether or not, gosh, should we, should we cancel our wedding this August? Wedding. Yes. The wedding of like a wedding. People, she's getting married. Months away. Yes. And I reached, you were the only person I reached out to because I had just been, had been going back and forth with, in my mind, I was, I was wondering, I mean, half of our guests are coming from China mm-hmm. and that, and, and that's not, I'm not bringing that up to say like, Oh, half of our guests are coming from China. We don't want the virus at our wedding. That's not it at all. I'm what I'm saying is, is half of our guests visa. are coming from China. The visa, are they even able to travel? Cause flights are canceled now. Right. Yeah. Then things are happening now in the United States. Borders and, closed now. Yes, exactly. And everything just started so I told you we were talking about it and I said, Oh, I think, I think I'm just going to do it. And you said, you don't want it. Yeah. Meg, you don't want it to overshadow your wedding. And then I went back and I was like, Oh wait, we are doing it. I don't think, I think it'll be fine by August. And then within a few days, I reached back out to you again. And I told you it's postponed. Like we're not doing it this year at all. And we made that we made that decision officially the day that the NBA season shut down 
because that's when well, people she's yeah. gonna marry next year next year yeah 21 <laughs> yeah but it was crazy and um you know I four weeks ago I that was when I started wondering if this was a thing not even like having it become real but four weeks ago I traveled to see my sister in Los Angeles and I remember being there and that's kind of when the fear started creeping in Mm -hmm. Um, we were at Disneyland and we were we were kind of wondering about it you know because there's a lot of people around and then the day I was flying out um, I was at a salon with an esthetician and she said, gosh, I'm just wondering about this whole virus thing. And that was the first day that, that the virus started dominating all my conversations. I, I, Oh God, I hate that, it. Right. Everything that that's what everyone's talking about now. And that yeah. was the first day that the virus has been in every single conversation that I've had since. Like, I was. mean, so, and she, I remember her asking me, oh, we have free tickets to Disneyland and I'm just wondering if we should even go now. And I said, well, I think you'll be fine because you just got to keep your hands washed and all that stuff. Whoa, that's not anything I would say today. And I flew back um, that evening and my sister's boyfriend had gotten me an N95 mask from his Mm -hmm. job site. He is, um, my sister and him, they both work on buildings in Los Angeles. And so he had one. And I didn't wear it on the plane. I thought I would, I I was just worried about what I was going to insinuate for people. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't do it. And then, I don't know, now fast forward, here we are. And I mean, I just bought 10 masks, N95 masks from somebody behind the uh, supermarket, Chinese supermarket over here in Salt Lake City the other morning. It felt similar to a drug deal, but it was just masks. And uh, really? Yeah. So you, you, you make a, you met somehow. So, uh, my fiance found someone, of course your fiance always, <laughs> yeah. he, he's yeah. crafty like that, found someone who had these masks because as you know, you can't buy them anywhere. And yeah. yes, they should be reserved for healthcare workers, but where we're getting these masks, like they're not going to make into the hands of healthcare workers anyways. Um, so this woman, she had them and, I had no contact with her whatsoever. I just knew that I was supposed to show up to this one place in <laughs> That's so like, wild. near like the Chinese market here in downtown Salt Lake City at 10, 10 a.m. Very specific. <laughs> 10, 10. 10, not 10. 10 not, not 10, 11. Right? 10, How many masks was that? 10? 10 for $45. 10 for $45. <laughs> Yes. And so I pull up and all I knew is that she was wearing a red jacket oh and I get out of the car and I just said, okay, I'm here. This is where I was told. And I kept saying my fiance's name over and over again. And then she was like, oh, okay. I know who you are. And then I handed her the money and she handed me the mask. We didn't even touch like each other in this interaction. I got back in my car and I like left. Um, but it is such a weird time to be alive. Like that experience alone has just really rocked my so you world. You met a mask dealer. I met a mask dealer. That's that's what I've been doing in my in my time this week, Amy. That is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. So and is, is she is she Asian or like? Yeah, she is. Does... Um, yeah, she is uh, from China, and she is 
here. I don't remember what she, I think she works in the legal profession. I see. She had boxes of them too. It like she probably brought it with her. I think she did. So to um make some money on the side. Right. It's a good side hustle right now, let me tell you. Really I, so I mean that all being Whoa. said Yeah, right? <laughs> so that all being said, I mean, it has been it is affecting even each and every one of us. I I mean a week ago, I didn't see any of this coming. And fast forward to this week, I'm buying masks out of the light, out of the out of the back of this lady's car in a parking lot somewhere. My pay and my job has been cut because oh, I mean, yeah. look at the stock market; it's crazy. I've now decided I'm becoming an entrepreneur in a week. Um, and I think we're all filled with anxiety. And for me personally, I'm wondering if I have symptoms or if it's just my anxiety, you know, coming mm-hmm. through. I mean, some of the sim- similar, like the symptoms are crossing over, like shortness of breath. I get that when I'm nervous, you know? So I'm, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of confusion out there right now. And I don't totally feel like people are t- ser- taking it seriously in the United States. Like we were talking about with the waves around the world, the United States, I think, is having its own series of subwaves within the country. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and, and I'm saying today that I don't feel like people are taking it seriously, but I mean, I'm not really one to talk because a week ago I wasn't totally taking it seriously either, but I also do feel like there has been a lack of information and poor presentation on just how serious this is outside of the measures that China took. And then at the time when China was going through the worst of it, I think in America, we, in the rest of the world was questioning really like what was going on is this all just being blown out of proportion and I think there's an element of yeah. that that's still continuing on today so yeah yeah I don't know what it's are you yeah it's crazy because we're in it uh we have no control of it other than doing what we can um and and it's a real reliving it mm-hmm. uh I mean, I didn't experience the full, full like epidemic um, in China because I left fairly, quite quite in the middle of it before the the huge outbreak. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was on a work leave, so I was supposed to leave two weeks later than what I was supposed to, but. Anyways, when I came back, I had a normal life for a little bit. And then I felt New York City slowly leveling, like the measurement has been leveling up and people start paying more attention to it. It started dominating more conversation like what you said. Mm-hmm. A lot of firms all in a sudden started working from home. But not not the place where I worked, but um, my boyfriend's firm, they... They have working from home policy quite early on. And a lot of people who I knew were working from home as well. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't make sense because, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. I think it's a great policy. But considering the fact that we are living in a box, <laughs> like yeah. I love my apartment. But New York City in general is very congested. If there's one person traveling 
on a daily basis. I, I, I go through Grand Central every day, and that, that's very right. dangerous. Very. I mean, I disrespect myself, right? But I don't wear outside clothing in, in my room. But it doesn't make sense if not if not everyone in this apartment is working from home. Exactly. And You're absolutely right. You know, you know the, the, the logic, I, me personally think I, I felt bad. I felt guilty because... For a very long time, because I was the one who just keep bringing who knows what, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, thank God now I'm home. And then uh, the public schools closed down. It was supposed to be a really big sign. Um, but me personally, I didn't feel the wave until my bar studio was closed mm-hmm. and I was like no <laughs> I yeah. go to bar class every day I had a membership there it's a fixed price go the cheaper it is and I go every day or at least like once every two days yeah um, but they shut down and then my gym in the, my building is shut down um, all the public areas are shut down it's it's every day when I wake up, there's new emails in my mailbox um, that their store is closing down, that their studio is closing down, that my building here is closing down. Um, yeah, so it's quite it's quite intense. Totally. Uh, yeah, so a lot of people also during this period period of time have asked me the differences between SARS and coronavirus. Uh, I mean, not the not from a medical medical perspective, but what was my experience during these two waves of epidemics? I during SARS, I was really young. It was 2003, as I said in the beginning. I wasn't scared. I didn't know. I was right. a stupid little child. <laughs> like I didn't know. I mean, I knew what's going on. I knew it was dangerous, but I I wasn't afraid per se. And what did me and my family do? Instead of staying at home, we did what was the worst, uh, which was to uh, we traveled to all the places in Beijing. It was my first time seeing the Great Wall. It was my first time seeing the Tiananmen Square. Wow. City. We went to all these places with no mask on. Wow. It was so long, but it was fun. I mean, again, we were really lucky that we didn't get a new virus, but it was not definitely anything to do. Um, I remember the TV had its own, because our school were suspended for three and a half months. Mm. And I was third grade or fourth grade, third grade. Um, And I remember the TV had its own channels. It's called Wire Education Channel. Whoa. Uh, it was at a time where computer was still quite rare. I mean, it's not rare, but internet internet classes were not as advanced as what it was before. We did have internet classes, but it was not as good as what's on TV. So the TV station, they had their own channel. So from, for example, 9 to 10, it's universal math education for the third grade. And from wow. 10 to 11, it's English for 12th grade, I don't know. You know, it, they have a they have a schedule posted wow. online, so you can see, you can watch TV. But the problem with, with that was because we have different schools, right? And then different yeah. schools use different textbook. 
especially for elementary school, because we didn't have a universal examination at the end of a elementary school for you to get into middle school. But we did have um, high school entrance exam and college entrance exam. So it's easier for the TV to plan out channels for middle school and high school students rather for like elementary school students because yeah. we didn't have a universal thing to study i mean so um so yeah so what we so what was teaching on tv what we're what we're taught on tv were different from my textbook and i remember my mom would print out a lot of questions and papers for me to do as homework uh, because we didn't have any homework um but I would always use the excuse that these were different from what I learned from school. <laughs> so oh my I goodness. just didn't do any of those. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. And I, I, I broke my mouth at the end. You broke your what? I broke my like jaw at the, <gasps> oh my gosh. On the last day. When the, the day the the day when I was supposed to go back to school, that the night before, I broke my jaw. Um, so like lips, draw lips, but it was really bad. So I got another two weeks. Oh my gosh. Um, as a kid, you were probably like, this is awesome. Like, I don't have to go to school. No, no, no. It was painful. It was so painful. I remember I I couldn't go to bed for like three nights. I was going crazy. Yeah. Oh my God. You know, I also had a fever. Fever. Oh my gosh! Because like when you're all swollen and all that. Yeah, it it affects your head for yeah. sure. I mean that's incredible. I feel like you're describing like you're sharing an experience minus the jaw part, hopefully for most. <laughs> no, <of laughs> like I mean, the experience of what some of the kids that are going through this current pandemic right now will share when they're older. That you know they knew it was going on, but they weren't totally aware. 100 yeah. percent and they weren't scared um it's very interesting because i feel like a lot of people right now as humans you know we're wired for stories and we we create stories and when we can't see the end of the story that's when we get fearful and so as you're describing this i'm just thinking about how people will tell this like what's happening right now how they'll tell this their experience and the story of their experience when it's all over because you've gone through this story before like this is yeah and and how long did SARS last again it last I mean like the shutdown at least personally three and a half months okay I mean it wasn't a a a shutdown shutdown because as you can see I still went to the forbidden city and the great wall so yeah it was still for business for some reason hmm. I, I I think it should close I mean I don't know why they didn't close it um but this time they closed down everything yeah and this time I was scared I was really scared because I was older and I tend to overthink and overreact <laughs> yeah exactly um, I know there's no need to panic but in fact I was laughed at so many times when I told people I was scared of coronavirus both when I was in China. both when you were in China you said yeah 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 and when I'm in states um because I, I'm from Beijing so Beijing in the beginning people weren't really scared it was people were scared when I just came back people were scared but people weren't 
really scared. I, I still I still went to a hospital to visit my grandpa and stuff. And that was the hospital where they took patient, coronavirus patient. And wow. I, I still went. Wow. We were like, yeah. So, uh, but but then it, it escalated really fast. So, mm-hmm. um, and it was also different because now we have cell phone. Uh, we get notification all the time. We see things online all the time. And dominance, all the conversation. I, I had a spam party with my friends on the Sunday the week before, <laughs> before everyone started working from home. And even at that thing, the, the yeah. virus dominated the conversation. It's crazy. Um, wow. So, yeah, I was, I don't know. It made me feel a little bit too overwhelmed because when I'm in at home in a very limited space and all you can see is the outside information and I see my parents telling me that New York is becoming the center of epidemic and I I see things online um I don't know it just I can only take information but there's no way for me to let it out Mm -hmm. because we're social distancing um Mm -hmm. so yeah I don't know how did you so as someone who experienced it for the first time, how do you feel? Like, yeah. I, know. yeah, I, I mean, it's definitely really hard to analyze something when you're in it, but I think the biggest thing that's coming up for me right now is what will this look like when it's all over? Um, yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of things, you know, like in my work, like we talk about stories and we talk about the normal, like the composition of a story, um, how my boss describes it is the normal, the explosion and the new normal. And so right now we're in the middle of the explosion. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think our normal before was we, we had settled into a normal of being connected, but disconnected with, I think with the, advancement of technology, like how interconnected we are with our phones. You know, you, you go out and you see people on their phones and they're existing in the same spot, but they're not with each other, like presence Mm -hmm. wise. And it seems we never have enough time for anything and we're always, um, busy. But I think what, you know, now that we're in the middle of an explosion, has taken away all physical contact from us from with other people. And the only thing we have left is our phones and technology really is the only thing holding us together right now. Mm-hmm. And we, before this were so invested in what was happening in our phone. And now we only have the option to be invested with which, with what's happening in our phone. And I'm thinking that when this is all over and we settle into what the new normal looks like, I feel like, and I'm hoping that this will be something that inspires people to truly be present with one another, to put down their phone, because we had too much of that. We're, we're done being glued to a phone and we will be so starved for face-to-face contact that that will be the new normal is really taking that in and not taking it for granted because I think that before Mm -hmm. this we have. And I think the other thing that's coming up for me is how will we feel when this is all over? You know, when things like this happen in the world and 
when things like this happen in a smaller scale in our lives, like it doesn't have to be a virus. It can be anything like you're working through something, whether you had a death in the family or you lost your job or different things like that. Those kinds of things, small or big, like a virus have the power to put us in survival mode. Mm -hmm. And right now, collectively, as a human family, we're all in survival mode. And survival mode has the power to bring the worst out in some people. And we've seen it sometimes. We've seen it throughout this pandemic right now. People hoarding things like toilet paper and being unkind to one another. Um, Different things that I've seen that have bothered me personally is the racism that we've seen that has come out of this. Um, It's not a race thing at all. And the fact that that has been lingering in the shadows. I mean, survival mode is bringing these things up for people where people are operating from a place of scarcity. And that can be dangerous because the problem is, is us as humans, when we're in survival mode and we're in it when we have to be like, for example, during this right now, okay, we're in survival mode. There's really no, no other mode to be in right now. And you get to decide what you do with that. But the problem is, is that sometimes like as humans, we have a hard time recognizing when we're out of danger and we don't have to be in survival mode anymore. And what I'm worried about is that survival mode will continue beyond the pandemic. I feel like we saw that a little bit um, with 9-11, although I was really young in this country, I feel like there was a, a sense of of scarcity of people operating from that place of fear. And so I know for me personally, when I've been in survival mode a few times in my life and I do find it hard to get out of it and relearn what it's like to not be in it. And I know I'm in it right now. I know I'm in it. I mean, I just was woken up by an earthquake yesterday and that has kind of rocked my world a little bit. Um, no pun intended, but, um, you know, so, Recovering from survival mode, I hope personally I can recover from survival mode. I don't want to be stuck in that space. Um, and I and I just think that after this is all over, like we're going to have to heal mentally after we heal physically. Um, and I hope that collectively we can do that. I see a lot of good happening out there right now. Um, and I hope that that sticks around, sticks around beyond mm-hmm. this. So... Yeah, that's kind of like my take from experiencing this for the first time. And I mean, quarantining is an interesting thing. I mean, I feel like I'm learning so many Are you doing that? terms. I am doing that right now because I just got back from that trip. Oh, yeah. And um, I'm on, I don't even know what day I'm on right now. They just all seem to blend together. <laughs> but I know I have about a week and a half left or something like that. Um, but I mean, to be honest, it's so interesting because when people started using the term quarantine and social distancing and all that stuff, I am going to be really real right now. That's kind of how I live my day to day life. Like since I've started working from home about a year and a half yeah, ago, you are from home. Yeah. <laughs> so nothing really changes for me on the ground yeah. and except for the fact that I don't have to feel bad about not going out once a day anymore. <laughs> 
like I can, I can, um, I can live the quote unquote hermit life without feeling ashamed of myself for not (laughs) getting out. But I think it's helping me to also realize that I did take for granted when I could just step out to a coffee shop too and things like that. And you have a, you have a workout at home. I do. I even work out at home. So nothing. I do. Nothing's really changed for me. Like I, I'm still getting my workouts. I'm still, the only thing that's changed is like, I, I can't like the bigger things. Like, you know, I do go on a a lot of trips. I was supposed to come see you in a few weeks Mm. and that's not happening. Um, so, (laughs) so that's the biggest thing that's changed. I don't have that. Like I have a lot of freedom with my lifestyle, but the freedom that I enjoyed from my lifestyle has currently been taken away. And that's just my freedom of being wherever I want to be in the world. Mm. Um, but day to day, it hasn't really changed. So Mm -hmm. that's nice. Yeah. But I can understand how this would be difficult for some people Mm -hmm. to make that change for people who are commuting to work and different things like that. It is a huge change because I remember going through that when I transferred from doing an in in office job to being full-time remote. So it is interesting. How have you dealt with the transition yourself? I mean, is there anything that, cause, cause things have changed for you Mm -hmm. in this Mm -hmm. period. I have more free time. Um, I like that. It's it's nice. That's an honest answer. Yeah. Um, I'm not mad at it. Mm -hmm. I'm very, very adaptive. I have always been training myself to freelance. I love it. <laughs> but I didn't realize how adaptive I, how adaptive I am until now. I mean, it's definitely harder for me to get up in the morning. Yeah. Just some really real issues. Um, I, I need to wake up really early every day. Well, not really early. Like, no more really, actually. It's not even that bad. Because now I live in Manhattan, it's not even that bad. But, I mean, for me... I, I I sleep a lot. So I like because my my I'm just that kind of person. Like my entire family is like that. We sleep in order to work. I it's it's a genetic thing, I, I guess. But yeah, um nothing wrong with it's that. It's definitely one less reason for me to get up very early. Yeah. I mean I still work, but I don't need to get up at say like six thirty in order to make myself breakfast, um, get dressed, do my makeup and be on a train and then get to the office mm-hmm. and then make sure everyone knows that I'm at the office earlier than everyone else and that was also a yeah. big part of my life is just to have that sense of achievement be like I'm the earliest it's definitely a transi- transition I have more free time and I I took an online class writing nice uh, yeah and then when I have Oh, one sad thing, though, one training that I pr- I've i been preparing for a year, for almost a year, got canceled. Um, that was really sad. Uh, but it, it got pushed to a further, later date. Yeah. Right. So it's not totally canceled. It's happening. It's, yeah. not, it's not canceled because it's a five module. It's a series of training. I've That's... been working on that five courses because it's a series of courses. I have been working on that since September last year. Wow. So it was supposed to be a big, big debut um, in late March. And it will be like a reception and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But um, they're just gone. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's fine. Like, yeah, I can only do what I can, and it's probably the best thing to do right now. You know. Totally. Most responsible thing. It will happen. If it's good, if it's worth it, it will happen eventually mm-hmm. in the summer. Mm-hmm. Mm, it's fine. Right. Exactly. I think one of the things that like is so cool about this time, even despite it's not cool that we're in this situation, of course, but I think it is giving people an opportunity to kind of reconnect with parts of themselves, like exploring their own creativity or being able to, I mean, for some people, the idea of being like just sitting with themselves and having quiet time is foreign and and in some ways can feel scary even. Um, But I think it's a great way to, to kind of press pause and kind of, um, I don't know, reevaluate things and, and be able to do things like a writing course and things like that and have free time, like what you're saying. And I don't know, it's all very interesting, but I think, you know, for some people who may be really having a hard time with this adjustment or, um, I don't know, kind of settling into this temporary new normal right now, what do you think is the most important thing for people to do during this time and do during Mm -hmm. quarantine? Yeah, I think um, as especially uh, as we are told, you know, going towards the end of this episode, I think it's very good that we can give out some advice. Yeah. Um, I think it's very important. I mean, I know not a lot of people are have that luxury of having free time, <laughs> and a lot of people working at home is as busy as when they're in the office. Because when I was working at the um when I was working at another media outlet, we basically operate online and I have a deadline every single hour because yeah. it's news. So yeah, exactly. I write things every single hour and I have to put it online and write the codes and stuff. So I forgot about all that now, but like, I, I wish I remember how to do it now, but it was very <laughs> intense, like eight hours straight and eight little articles um wow yeah so that was I mean that didn't matter where I was I still have to post things um that was very but yeah going back to the topic of what can you do for people who do have a little bit of free time you can make smoothies I think that's a good idea um (laughs) that definitely cheer me up a lot um and I think it's important to have a purpose to to have the luxury to think about what you can do but never but don't like use the excuse like I don't have time. Those are the things mm-hmm. that you can do now. I mean, for me, I'm very grateful that I have this platform. I have a, I have a purpose other than my normal job. I have a purpose. I I, I have this talking with you thing. Yes. <laughs> We're yes, just yes. saying a podcast. It sounds so like I don't know, but um, I like talking to you, you know, and it's fun. Yeah, it is fun. Uh, it's a purpose. It's small, but mm-hmm. it makes me happy. Creative outlet. And yeah, and I have yeah, creative outlet. You you have a you take information in and then you have an outlet where you can let it out. And I think it's pretty healthy that way. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, and I talk to my parents online more frequent now because like, you know, I'm at home more often. Mm-hmm. Uh I send them messages all the time and 
and spend more time with my boyfriend at home. Um, mm-hmm. So it's all nice. Like, mm-hmm. not complaining. Totally. Totally. It's, I I think a few of the, a few of the things that I can offer um, to this conversation about important things for people to do during this time. I making the transition from being in office to, um, remote, I feel like there were certain things that I definitely learned through that time. Cause it, it was tricky. I remember what that was like to go through that. And I mean, it's, it was awesome that I get to be at home, but it comes with trials because mm. people were always saying, Oh, well now you have so much freedom. It's so wonderful. Like, what are you complaining about? It's not hard, but it was hard to make that transition. And I'm seeing a lot of people making that transition now. And so I think the things that I can offer is, um, to try and keep a schedule. I'm still so bad at it. Um, but yeah, schedule. the schedule I think helps as, mm-hmm. and it, it doesn't even have to be like for me, I'm really bad with saying like, I'm going to do this thing at this time. It's more like pattern blocking. Yeah. It's more like, okay, like if I get up and then I work out and then I'm going to have breakfast after that. And I don't really keep track of what time that happens necessarily. I do try to get up at like seven or eight. I try to make that like a specific time, but, and then also the other part of that is getting somewhat dressed some sort of like, Mm -hmm. not just sitting in whatever for, days on end, you know, and, um, I don't know, like going out for a walk, I think is a big thing too. Like even now it's kind of hard, I think for some people, especially in like more congested cities, like New York city, for example, I don't know how their, um, what their policy is on that right now. But I know for me, like when I'm in a ho- in the house all day, like working on things and feeling a little cooped up, I always feel like a walk helps me clear my mind and kind of, take away any fog that I might be feeling. Cause it's easy to, to have that happen, you know, when you're home all day. Mm-hmm. So I think those are some things that I could definitely offer. And I think one of the things that's really important too, is like, like I mentioned it before, but in my own schedule, but like working out really helps in any way mm-hmm. just to kind of, you know, working out help. Yeah. It gets the blood moving, but yeah. So it's an interesting time, but I hope that you know, if you have any advice too that you would like to share, like share that with us because we would love to know we're, even though like it's not too huge of a transition for me personally, like I'm always looking personally for new things around that topic, of course. And so, yeah. yeah. And I don't want to seem too deaf because no, exactly. I, I know that we talk about a lot of fun things or at least things that we found fun, yeah. but well, seems like everyone is talking about it. Doesn't hurt if we say a little bit about it. Just thinking about back about this, our podcast here, and um, you know, Amy mentioned earlier that podcasts are a great way to kind mm-hmm. of um, move through your day with, especially when you can't really have conversations. And so, for us personally, I mean, you can have conversations, but more like digitally now. <laughs> Um, yeah, but I think for us here on the spark, um, we'll just keep doing what we've been doing. And that means being the spark. And 
recently, I wanted to share this with all of you because recently, before things got totally crazy, I ordered these bracelets for Amy and I that are engraved with oh, the yeah. words, Thank be you. the spark. Yeah, of course. I have mine on right now. But I, right I totally, um, I ordered them before I went on my last trip. And when I got home, things were totally different when I got home because of this mm-hmm. whole situation. And when I got home, I found mine in the mail. I'd kind of forgotten that it was coming in my direction. And uh, it it kind of felt like it was sent to me from a very different time because it was, you know, even though it was only like a week. But I've been wearing it every day since. And it's been reminding me to be the person who puts hope into a fearful situation in an uncertain world and to be the person who is kind, even when I'm feeling scared or sad or fearful and to keep pressing on when it gets tough and to be a light in the darkness. And I think we need that now more than ever. Um, So I guess why I share that with you is because if you're still wondering what it means to be the spark, this time that we're collectively going through in the world right now is showing us exactly what it means to be the spark. Um, You know, you see people sharing videos of them playing and singing music together, quarantined in their balconies in Spain and Italy. And you see people on social media offering free yoga and meditation. And because they know that we need that, those kinds of things now more than ever. And we see people simply doing their part by staying home and washing their hands and, and really doing those things out of the understanding that no matter how small they feel as an individual in a world of 7 billion people and counting, their actions matter. Our actions Mm -hmm. matter. And so through all of this, Mm -hmm. when you see those things, those are people who are being the spark. And when we initially thought of this, the name of this podcast and the meaning behind it, this is what we were talking about. The power of one the impact of one and the fact that it takes just one person to make a difference. And so for us, this podcast is how we're choosing to make a difference. And that that's what we'll continue to do. We'll continue to make a difference by continuing to have these conversations to share perspectives, ideas, and stories. We created this podcast in the essence of a conversation between two women from two different cultures and countries sitting down and discussing what the world looks like from where we they sit. And I think right now that's more important. That's, that's so important because this, this podcast is a podcast that highlights perspectives and opinions and personal experiences to challenge others to see things through a different lens and to close cultural barriers and gaps. And we need that now more than ever. I think if there's one thing that this pandemic is teaching us, it's that we're all one. And no matter how small we feel in the world, like our actions affect everyone else in the world. And so mm-hmm. um, I think metaphorically, like this whole thing is reflecting right back to us and hopefully to all of you what it means to be the spark. So we're going to keep doing that. And we hope that you take on the challenge to be the spark too, even through times like these. So I guess, Amy, I, for you, like, what do you think it means to have a podcast during this time too, because I mean, right now, everyone, they're relying on, we're all relying on everything digital. You know, that's the only way that we're staying connected right now. And, and thank the Lord that we have, we have, um, technology that allows us to stay connected in the way that we do. I mean, we didn't even have this kind of connectivity 
back like from my experience when 9-11 hit, even though I was really young. So what do you think it means to have a podcast during this time? It means we have to speak up yeah. and always, um, and always step for what we believe. And um, that's it. Absolutely. I'm grateful for having this opportunity again i process it's like an information and opinion processor it's it's a therapeutic for me it's like a meditation for me to talk about things um to keep talking about things um that's why that that's that's it's a meaning it's a it's a purpose it's a it's a thing in my life that i have interest and i invest in time and effort doing it um so it's personal um yeah so it's it's a purpose it's another purpose to get me out of the bed every day so i think it's it's good thank you so much amy and everyone stay well and safe out there yeah be safe thank you so much for tuning in if you like what you hear subscribe and share it with a friend who you think might like it too Make sure to follow us on Instagram at spark underscore podcast, Facebook at the spark, Twitter at this is the spark, WeChat at the spark podcast, and YouTube at the spark podcast. See you there.